Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by our two rugby writers, Matthew Southcombe and Simon Thomas. Good afternoon, chaps. Good afternoon, mate. The little man's not here again. I do feel his presence, his brooding presence on my shoulder. And uh, But I'm, once again, I'm with the young pups and once again I'm put to shame. Organised, they've got notes in front of them. <laughs> they prepared, whereas I am blatantly busking it. So over to you, Ben. That's more of a necessity, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so we'll uh, start. We've got uh, two Welsh derbies coming up this weekend, but we'll start with the big news of the week, which is that Rhys Webb is uh, departing Welsh rugby and mm. hit the Toulon. Yeah. So, Matt, what do we make of this news? Well, I suppose in, initially it's a, it's a similar record that we've heard before. You know, nobody's blaming uh, Webb. He's 29, he's been given the chance to head over to France and significantly increase his salary. Um, look, we know rugby players generally don't go much further than sort of th- the age of 35 across the board. Um, I know there are a few exceptions, you look at Felice and all that, but you know generally their careers are heading downwards uh, by the time they reach 35, so no one's blaming him for taking a, going over there, experience, playing in a good you know physical league, surrounded by great players, going to be earning a load of money, but... Um, what you've got to look at is the the hole that it will leave the Ospreys with. Um, they've just, you know, in the space of a couple of weeks, they've lost their Lions halfbacks next season. Um, fortunately, at fly half, you've got Sam Davis, who I know is in a bit of a dip at the moment, but will come out of that uh, scrum half. You've, they're quite well stocked, but they've got they haven't got another Reese Webb uh, waiting. With all due respect to those who are there. We've talked in the office this afternoon about where they would go for potential replacements. You look at giving, you know, maybe Simon, you've said Tom Haberfield perhaps deserves a crack at the jersey. Um, and you look at what the options are and you just can't see where the replacement's coming from if they want to look elsewhere. I mean, we've talked about the likes of Jonathan Evans at the Scarlets, but, you know, I'm a big fan of his. But again, with all due respect, he's not Reese Webb. Um, but yeah, you don't blame him for going. You never blame the players for going because of the money that's on offer. But as an Ospreys fans, if I was an Ospreys fan, I'd be concerned at the moment. It's um, totally understandable he's going. He, more than anyone, will know that a serious injury is just around the corner. He's had two mm. or three of them over the last five years. Bounce back fantastically each time, but they're always just there as a possibility in a rugby player's career. I think he's 29 this year. Yeah, This is probably his last opportunity for a really big payday. The deal on the offer from Toulon, I would imagine, is probably twice the offer or what he could get in Wales. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him one iota, but of course it does bring back into question the whole issue of Gatlin's Law. Mm-hmm. I, know <laughs> I, I, know, I know people are very bored of me <sighs> talking about it, but let's be honest, what was it introduced for? It was introduced to stem the exodus of players to England and France, to retain as many as our stars in Wales as possible. And in the last nine months, we've had the announcements that Liam Williams, Daniel Bigger and now Rhys Webb are all going. So you can only really draw from that that it's not working. Um, It hasn't served as a deterrent or an encouragement, if you want to put it that way, for Mm. players to stay. And you have to seriously question whether it is any point continuing in its current form I think personally it should be scrapped and we should look at an alternative we can probably talk about that uh, Mm. at length but the bottom line issue is at the moment under the current funding model we're a long long way short of being able to offer these players these top players 
you know, competitive finance. And people say, oh, you should have a play in Wales to play for Wales policy. I can see the logic, but I don't think you can demand loyalty off players without being able to reward them financially to a competitive fashion. And at the moment, we're not able to do that, and this will just continue. Yeah, well, like you said, under the current funding model, did Gatlin's Law ever really have a chance? You know, it, it still relies on being able to offer players what what they call market value. And, you know, some may say Reese Webb is being offered over the odds at Toulon. We don't really, you know, I'm not aware of what that figure is. But even still, there's no way they can compete with that. So the fund there has to be more money made available. I know it's easy to say that, and it's not always easy to find it. But I don't think. Um, I'm not making excuses for Gatland's Law or anything like that, but I, I don't think it ever really stood a chance and, unless there was more money made available. What's the one thing that we can offer that the French and English clubs can't? It's the Welsh jersey, right? Jersey, yeah. And that had to be at the, at the very centre and core of the policy, and it was. But the problem is, we've all talked about it before, there are so many so caveats, clauses and loopholes in the legislation with the wildcard exemptions... It's just meant that it hasn't been rigid enough to really make players think twice about going, not enough of them. The the fundamental flaw for me was that it was a decision made at the outset that the number of wildcards would increase from three to four from this season for two years. At the very time in which the policy needed to bite and needed to get tough, it's got softer. No one yet has been able to give you a cogent, a rational explanation why that was introduced as part of the policy. Although, let's be fair, when Gatlin's Law was put in place in August 2014, it was against a background of civil war, acrimony and a lack of mutual trust. And as such, you're never going to get something very ideal coming out of that. Which again comes back to my viewpoint. It was put in place as a compromise hodgepodge, as the regions were themselves, just to get the peace deal over the finishing line. It was never fit for purpose. So rather than just bumbling along with it and watching it have no positive effect... Let's think again about what is the policy we should put in place. We probably haven't got enough money in Wales to say a strict English or Irish style system where you have to play in that country to play for that country, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't got the money to do that. And to be honest, I don't know if the union could sell that to the public, although many regional fans would love it because it would increase the strength of their teams. We know there's a lot of people out there for whom Team Wales is the absolute priority and they would just say, well, I don't care where they play as long as they're good and they're playing for Wales. Mm. and So having that policy would probably just give us an even more divided rugby nation, which is why I've said for some time, advocated for some time, maybe we should look at the Australian style, style system, cap-based system, where once players get to 50 or 60 caps, we say, right, you can move abroad, move away from Wales and still play for your country, but don't give up on that at that point. Still for those top players, attempt to put really competitive packages on the table mm. and hopefully by having players play for the regional rugby for the first six or seven years of their career, you have stronger regions, therefore the regions are more appealing and more attractive. Yeah. To me, it seems like a, a, you've got to think of a policy that suits us as a rugby nation. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one which is worth looking at. Yeah, I think I read a line in your piece, sorry, saying that something... Very fine piece. Very fine piece. <laughs> something, something that's born out of the general animosity that surrounded Welsh rugby 18 months ago. Um, it was terrible, Matthew. It was a terrible time in all our lives. I know. Uh, sorry, it was a bit longer than 18 months, wasn't it, obviously? Um, something that was born out of that was never going to succeed. Um, just because of the general atmosphere around the place. It was, it was really, really quite a nasty time to be involved in Welsh rugby. But 
we got through and we and we 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 are where we are. But you know, I'm told that Webb's going to Toulon with Gatlin's blessing. Well, this is an interesting phrase, isn't it? Because so, what, what does blessing mean? I mean, well, you, you would think that Reese Webb, before making this decision, would have sounded out people. How is this going to impact upon my international career? Yeah. Now, as we understand it, next year, Webb, bigger, Falatau, North, and Liam Williams, right, will all be captured by Gatlin's law. And from that next season, there are four places available. So in theory, one of those five, who are all pretty much first-team players, is going to have to be left out. Mm. My argument is people will say, oh, Gatlin's Law will bite. The problem is they've already gone. You know, yeah. It's after the stable door is closed. Um, it'll be very interesting at the first uh, press conference of the autumn to ask Warren Gatlin, you know, what is your thinking, your viewpoint on Daniel Bigger and Reese Webb going? Did they approach you? What was the advice you gave them? I'd be fascinated to find out what, if any, discussions took place. Also, in the in the statement, the joint statement that was put out today by the Union and the Ospreys, it's still not 100% clear what kind of offer was put to Reese Webb, which yeah. would obviously... What was the exact wording? I think it was something like... Every effort every, was made. Every possible effort, something yeah, like... Yeah. Whereas with Dan Bigger's uh, press release, it did say that there was a... There was this disappointment that he decided not to take up a contract extension. Yeah. So it's this is the problem with Gatlin's law because there is so many caveats and it's so convoluted in its wording, and you can read it in so, in so many different ways in terms of whether um, an offer that was put on the table was done at a time and of a nature and of a value that makes them uh, the player be captured. Yeah. Now, of course, a different, slightly different thing here is that. This isn't an offer one would imagine put on the table by the region. This is a this is a Welsh Rugby Union national dual contract. Mm. Now, if the union puts a money an amount on the table, they presumably think that's a competitive rate. Yeah. So it's not as if like one of the regions offered only a hundred thousand pounds, and the union say, "Oh no, well actually he's worth more than that." This is an offer from the union. Yeah. So if the play, if they've put that on the table, then and the player turns that down, then in theory he's captured. Mm. But I have to be honest with you, I've been asking since the start of this season to get a confirmed list for the players captured this season, let alone next season. Yeah. I want to know if Rhys Priestland is captured. Mm. Rhys Priestland signed a contract extension in January. He was captured prior to that for last season. But is he still con- um, captured under the new contract? Because he's playing really well for Bath and it's a good strong case from being in the squad. That's how complicated it is. <laughs> I've spent the last three years writing explaining pieces and I still don't understand it. <laughs> you, you, you love Gatlin's Lord. <laughs> get me busy. I can tell yeah. how much you love get Gatlin's me busy. Lord. Keep you very busy. There you go. So we'll move on to matters on the field. Oh, can we? Yes, it's easy to forget there is a, a game being played this weekend, uh, and mm. Reach Web will be involved. It's the Scarlets and the Ospreys at Liberty Stadium. Mm. Two teams with very different form going into it. So that's the second one of the weekend, isn't it? That's yeah. the Saturday, the Saturday game. game. Um, well, there's a lot of background to this, Matt, isn't there? Including the, the Tandy Inn flag. Tell us all about that. Oh, the Tandy Inn flag, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on here. It was a bit of bit of banter. What a Scarlets fan put a sign together, um, Tandy in. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, Ospreys fans who want Tandy gone uh, at the Liberty, and so a Scarlets fan decided to start the banter a week early. Got, got a, taken down. Got a sign ready. Got his cable ties ready with him. <laughs> Attached it to uh, one of the stands at Parker Scarlets ahead of the Connacht game last weekend, and. Uh, Mark Taylor came across and uh, and ordered the stewards to remove it. Um, mm. 
you think he'll take it to the Liberty this weekend? <laughs> well, I don't. You may very well do. More welcome, I mean, we're <laughs> laughing about it. That, w- that wouldn't be very nice for Steve Tandy to see, and Steve Tandy's a very honest, hard-working man. Well, it's Derby weekend. But, Come on, isn't it? I mean, it's just a bit of banter as far as I'm concerned. The, the, the Scarlet's late day tweeted that it was at the request of the players that it be taken down. <laughs> I mean, you can form your own opinions on that, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it was just a bit of fun and and apparently the players were laughing at it during the warm-up, a few of them having a giggle. Uh, I got no issue with it. I'm sure Steve Tandy might have been rubbed up the wrong way by it, but at the end of the day, sport, you know, we're all allowed to have a bit of fun. Just a bit of banter, in, in uh, just a bit of banter, in, I mean, in it, my it, opinion. This is always a huge game in the season, Ospreys against the Scarlets. Yeah, yeah, but in a way, it takes on even more of an impact. You've got the Scarlets, who are the Pro 12 champions. They've won four to five, I think, in the league so far, playing brilliant rugby, really entertaining. Things going really well there. Mm. And you're there, their arch West Wales rival, where it's just one calamity to another, culminating yeah. in the Scott Baldwin's audition <laughs> as a liar tamer. Um, you know, Scott's a really nice bloke, by the way. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he, he learned from the mistake, I'm sure, you know, and. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's. Well, I don't know what to say about it. It was like one of those, I, I've been doing this job for nearly thirty years. I've never known an afternoon like that. Do you before. remember when the, oh, we started yeah. getting tip offs coming in? I, I got don't. one and, and I just thought, nah, no chance. And I got another one off off a different person. I thought, well, we might have a story on you. Um, and lo and behold, I got in touch with a South African journalist. Uh, we were trying to back in Cardiff. We were trying to ring. We were um, ringing wildlife. We were ringing different zoos, trying to get it firmed up. Known the like. Um, so I spoke to this African journalist, tipped him off, and he asked the question. And Tandy, to be fair, he gave gave quite a good answer in, in the post match press conference. Clearly he's he, disappointed. Yeah, we were laughing. I think it was a serious matter. I mean, oh, he, no, is a, he, he got lucky that. You know. Lucky. I mean, yeah, he's got a really good lad, and I'm sure he'll. You know, as I said to him, I, I sent him a little message saying, you know, chin up, and it'll be good for your after dinner speaking when you finish playing rugby. So yeah. Yeah, you have to move on. And, now he misses the game, obviously, does, yeah. and I think the Ospreys have won. In contrast to the Scarlets, the Ospreys have won just one out of five, haven't yeah. they? Just, um, and they're staring their fifth straight defeat. But, but Derby. What do they always say about Derby? Form yeah, goes, out the, goes out the window. It, would, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the most extraordinary thing if no. at, at the Liberty the Ospreys turn around because they've still got Alan Wynne Jones, Daniel Bigger, Reese Webb. We've talked about Tipperick. These are quality, quality mm. players. Bradley Davis, I guess, will be involved. We see the team. Nicky Smith's played well this season. They've got, you know, I think Daniel Evans has, you know, been one of the most consistent players in Welsh rugby. Keelan Giles, we know what he can do if he gets a sniff. They've got ability there. They've got, but I suppose ability and confidence are two different things. And confidence yeah. at the moment, it's going to take so, a big team talk for Alan Wynne Jones, isn't it? It is. It is. And like you said, you know, the one thing that concerns me, you know, like you said, form goes out the window. I like that cliche, so I'm going to use it again. But uh, if you look at the Cheetahs' uh, victory over the Ospreys last week, the Ospreys struggled when the Cheetahs lifted the tempo, and nobody lifts the tempo like the Scarlets. The Scarlets are going to be capable of taking that game to a place where the Ospreys are not comfortable. Um, They're a bit plodding, Matthew. And they can sustain it as well. They're a bit plodding, the Ospreys. And you just just worry for the Ospreys that if the Scarlets are are on song and take the game to that sort of speed and... And put the the width on the ball that we know they can. Then I'm not sure the Ospreys are going to be very comfortable with it. Do you see a way that the Ospreys can sort of stop the Scarlets? Yeah, like Simon said, there's a lot of quality players in this team. Well, we've had the template already this season. Yeah, what Ulster, Ulster did. Yeah. Ulster managed to get the game at key points very narrow, didn't they? Mm. They basically targeted the one wing on Johnny McNichol's side. Um, 
scored a couple of tries down there, caused them problems with the breakdown and restricted them. Scarlett still scored two fantastic uh, kind of breakaway tries yeah. in the midst of that. We know you're a supporter, Ben. We want to go on too much about the defeat. Um, they, so they still show their potency, but Ulster did frustrate them. So I think it, they've got to almost turn it into an ugly match, haven't they? Yeah, they What's have. the weather forecast? I am going to clue. Oh, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> They've done all Derek, this research Derek. and then done that. <laughs> you have to wait and see what Derek says. Yes, they need to make it an ugly, da- ugly, gritty derby, don't they? they? Do. Put, it, put it this way, if the Ospreys win, I don't think it's going to be one to be remembered. And I don't mean be that. remembered by them. I don't mean that in a nasty <laughs> way, but I just think, like you said, the Ospreys have got to take it to a place. Back, back row was a slight issue for the Scarlet as well, though, isn't it? Because obviously Cubby Boy, James Davis is out. and yeah. Barclays oh, missed the last game. Yeah. They've had a few HIAs, haven't they? they yeah. I mean, we did the injury audit this week, and they've certainly not suffered anything like by the other region, but they have, they have acquired the last few weeks. And a remarkable number of HIAs yeah. have come in. I think Boyd's had a HIA, Rob Evans, Barclay, Samson Lee. So we're waiting, obviously, on the teams, but the back row will be interesting because I, I mean I guess they go Shingler will play Boyd and who goes in then in the back row McLeod do they even maybe put Byrne yeah, on, the, on the blind side because yeah. he's so good over the ball mm-hmm. and bring Bullbring into the second row so that's an interesting one for me but you look at you would never you look at the breakdown you never discount somebody like Justin Tipperick in that department and I think if the Ospreys can get on top in that area that's probably their best chance it makes such an asset and such a difference when you've got a second row who's the top Man over the ball. Yeah. The tap, the top turnover player in the Pro 14 is is Tad Byrne. Yeah. It's incredible. I've not seen a second row like him over the ball. Absolutely no. extraordinary. Yeah. And uh, of course, that's the other story of the week, isn't it? That we've had the confirmation another another one secret that wasn't being kept that well really that he's leaving uh, the Scarlets at the end of the season to join Munster. Mm. Understandable again from his point of view. It's interesting, isn't it? We've got a situation where Sam Underhill leaves the Ospreys to go to Bath because he wants to play for England. We've got Tad Byrne leaves the Scarlets to go to Munster because he wants to play for Ireland. At the same time, Daniel Bigger and Reese Webb are leaving Wales to go and play in England and it probably won't have any consequences for their international careers. Well, That's Wales, the contrast. Wales fans can just look on in in envy, really, at, at the current situation. And mm. like you said, that's just highlighting it. But um, I'm looking forward to the derby, though. I'm yeah. for both <laughs> derbies, yeah. You know, it's, they're, always, they're always ones that you look for straight away when the fixtures come out, aren't they? But... Going back to the Ospreys, you look at the Cheetahs game again, and one of the only slither of hopes in that game was Reese Webb. Um, and it, it was the same story, really, in, in Treviso the week before. This has just been a disastrous couple of weeks for the Ospreys. But, like you said, it, all it takes is a win. Mm. But I don't think a, a win is going to satisfy many people in the stands down there. I think many will feel if the Ospreys win, it's just going to paper over the cracks. Um, I don't think that it's going to be something that will get the fan base back on side straight away just because there's, they, it is quite toxic down there at the moment from what I've been seeing on, on Twitter particularly um, so I think a win in many people's eyes would just paper over the cracks for them but i got to be honest I, I can't really see it No, Scarlets on, on form should win mm. but you never know do you? And one, one thing I, I'll say about the Scarlets on Judgment Day last year just to tell the listeners obviously there's there's four teams at judgment day so they need to use four dressing rooms so uh, two of the teams actually come onto the pitch through the press box um, and in between the first and the second game last year I nipped um, nipped back to the press room to get a bit of food and uh, as I was coming back I, I got caught as the Scarlets were coming back onto the f- coming out onto the field and let me tell you Rob Evans was a man possessed for the for the, that game that day so the derbies mean that much to these players and it's not just lip service I was stood in the tunnel 
basically just waiting for the Scarlets to go out so I could go out behind them and get back to my seat. And honestly, he was bouncing around. I thought he was going to headbutt the wall at one point. He was really up for it. So, you know, and, and I think, like you said, the Ospreys game is so significant because there's been a real power shift in, in Welsh rugby over the last sort of year, year and a half, two years. Because obviously the Ospreys were supposedly our, our best region for some time. You know, they won won the league so many times, etc. Um, but the Scarlets have sort of wrestled that mantle off them now. So this this game is really significant for for various reasons. I thought you were going to say that you played for the Scarlets. In no, the no, 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 because <laughs> I, I know you could do a job. No, no, I, I, I get injured, as my mates would tell you, I get injured straight away. But um, no, it was that was a really interesting insight because you see the players come out onto the field and they all look quite calm and. And like it's all under wraps, but let me tell you, there's a fire burning inside. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that you mentioned the shift, the balance and yeah. power shifting in West Wales. Yeah. Because is this the weekend that we see the balance of power shifting in oh, East Wales? That's, that's a great segue. That's a great segue. Here we go. I was going to just do a little point, though, before... Go on, go on. Hey, this, is, this is your show. Yeah, put a pin in your segue there. <laughs> you know, these Welsh derbies, they're always, as well as being fight-up games, it's always a good chance to lay down a marker for Wales, the Wales mm. jersey. Mm. And in the Scarlets, you've got three players, perhaps, who could do that this weekend. Aaron Shingler is one. There's mm. a place in the back row, potentially. Reese yeah. Patchell, another, and Steph Evans. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... Matthew, you wrote well, a piece about the no, back three. No, no, controversial piece. We need to we need to spin this around on Ben here because <laughs> yeah. that, that was a very controversial piece which suggests about opinions. Uh, Mr. Halfpenny yeah, well, it, when Andy Howell put it on Facebook with the headline controversial, then I knew I'd made it. So uh, if, if he thinks it's controversial <laughs> then I don't think it's controversial to say that Steph Evans should be one of the first names of the Welsh team at the moment. He's absolutely on fire. Uh, your point was that out of the four of Evans, George North, Liam Williams and Halfpenny at the moment, you probably would say Halfpenny's the one straight. It's it depends how they're going to play, doesn't it? You know, Warren Gatton's always loved Halfpenny's uh, defensive solidity, using him as a kind of goalkeeper, a sweeper in the, in the back three, and his security under the high ball, his good kicking game. Um, but then again, he played Liam Williams at fullback on three Lions tests. Mm. So we, you know, but then Liam's playing on the wing for Saracens. So you know, hey, listen, it's it's good that we've got that much quality, and we haven't talked about Alexa Keel and Giles who, who could come into an Ashton Hewitt's Ashton back fitting. Yeah. And Alan Amos, I watched him score two tries to the Dragons last week. Very so good. back three, there's no worries about him. Cuthbert's still trying his best with the Blues and still carrying strongly. Tom James, there's loads of back three players. Yeah. We've got a lot of options there. Back row six, number six, slightly different situation, isn't it? Mm. Because you've got no tip, uh, sorry, no Ellis Jenkins, no, no Warburton, or Warburton obviously could play six. Legit Olympe just coming back and probably finding his feet to a degree, that's fair to say. Um, Thomas Young has just come back, and then Ross Moriarty, but still kind of a little unclear, aren't we, whether he's going to be fit. So, what I'm saying is that if you're thinking that Farato and Tipperick are pretty much nailed on the starting spots, there's a six jersey up for grabs. Yeah. And on form, the man who should be in that jersey is Aaron Shingler. He's had a fantastic 18 months. We talked about Judgment Day and you know, sitting in that press box. I remember sitting there a couple of years ago um, when Stephen Shingler was playing for the Scarlet. So, Aaron just was sat there and he was watching his brother and chatted to him. And at that point, Aaron had a really serious concussion zone. He'd been out for a long, old time, you mm. know, and obviously when you have that, you worry, but are we going to come back? And he's fought back, and he was outstanding last season in the run into um, the winning the Pro 12 title. 
you know, athletic around the field, good hands, and the work he does with the line out is absolutely ex- exceptional. Yeah. And that's a big asset and a big tall I think you know he had he's had a couple of chances with Wales before. He played at number seven for Wales against Scotland, Scotland. in his debut. Played at seven against South Africa when I was out there oh, in the South first Africa, test. Yeah. Didn't go so well for him out there. He hasn't really had that much of a run in the six. Now he played both tests in the summer. Played well, Tonga Samoa. Mm. I think he deserves the slot, the shot. And the, the the other option maybe, if he wants to go back to the two open sides option, which you could do, you could go uh, Thomas Young at six, and Tipperick at seven. Whether that's too small a back row, but certainly, yeah, that that's a key one. And, and the third player you mentioned, Reese Patchell. It's interesting because he's he's in form, Matt, isn't he? He is in form. Uh, Reese Priestland's banging form, but is he going to start against Australia? I think again, as with the back three. Number ten, we're not short of options. No, I get you know. I mean, let's for you know, Bigger's Bigger's got the jersey, but you know, is he playing well enough to keep hold of it? I think his his form in the next few weeks will dictate whether or not he carries on in that role. Um, the form, the form, fly halves available at the moment are Priestland and Patchell. Yeah, absolutely. Because Anscombe's obviously out with a fairly long term injury. Bigger and um, Sam Davis. Have, Neither really fired. Lovely try the bigger setup last week in fairness against the Chiefs with yeah, a little grubber. And you know he will get he will sort of come into the final. I, I still think he will be uh, will be the, the starting ten. But I think Patcher was certainly done enough to get into that world squad. And the yeah. same for Priestland. Yeah, no. if he's captured, of course. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're not going back. Yeah, let's, leave, let's leave that in the past. Yeah. Look, no, look, uh, I think captured. I think Priestland's <laughs> one of the most one of the most gifted fly-offs certainly in my generation that Wales have had um, I've said similar things in the past that he brings players into the game better than anyone um, and he gets Wales's backline going better than any fly half we've had since but you know his his sort of exile is that has that paid to his put paid to his international career well he's the only player well, yes. he's the only player so far who's actually been non-selected because of captain's law yeah. Wales made it clear last autumn that if he was available they would select him but they only had three wild card slots which are taken up by Faletau, North and Robert, so there was no room for him. Now, the suggestion I'm hearing is that his most recent deal, which he signed in January, um, there wasn't an offer on the table from Wales. That was considered to be con- conflicting with that, and he isn't captured. That's what I'm understanding. Yeah. They won't confirm it to me. But uh, in that sense, I think that there's a really good chance and a good case for him being in that autumn squad. Well, our, our, our colleague Wolfie uh, tells me he's the top point scorer in the Viva Premiership. At the moment, so yeah, as I, I say, ten is no small. Ten, ten is we're full of options with ten. Mm. So uh, actually, although we, we did that big piece on the injury audits, you know the injuries around the region. Actually, we're not in too bad a shape, are we? I know, it's, I know, open side is an, an issue, but we're very, very fortunate that although we've lost Ellis Jenkins and Sam Warburton, two excellent players, we've still got Tipperick there. Mm. You didn't wrap him cotton wool, man. Let's let's <laughs> let's, uh, let's just remember for a second what happened against Australia last year. We were totally incapable of slowing that ball down, and they absolutely blew Wales away that day. Um, so I think you know we're talking about the back row. I think that is a, an area of concern because we cannot afford to let a side like Australia, like Bernard Foley, pulling strings at ten. And, uh, that being the case, do you then go for Thomas Young as an additional breakdown forward? I th- I think you have to load up with breakdown forwards. You no, know, Gethin Jenkins because he's injured. See, yeah. Gethin is like an extra back row forward. Yeah. You know, you, on on the front foot, I, I was watching clips of Bernard Foley um, on the weekend, and when he's on the front foot playing flat to the game line, which is a lot easier to do when you've got momentum, 
he is very difficult to stop and you'll get that back line going then you've got people like follow i remember watching our australia game back last year and they had so many runners off the ball it's almost impossible to defend when it's going at speed so i think we really do have to be cut you know really careful about that breakdown i think we need to target it because if they don't slow the ball down against australia we are in a bit of trouble Well, we'll uh, take a pin back out of Simon's segue there. We'll head east. Yep. You can just cut the middle bit out. <laughs> it's, of course, uh, the Blues against the Dragons on Friday night yes. at Hans Park. Mm. I'm covering that. Looking forward to it. What, what do you want to know about it? Well, first things first, Dragons are seemingly struggling with injuries. 29 Well, well let's hang on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. My colleague, my but. little colleague, Mr Howell, <laughs> came back with a story. Good, I got a great story, he said. 29 <laughs> players injured. 29 players injured, he said. He said, fine, good story. The Dragons team's announced. One change. One change. One change. So, Mr. Jackman, he's not been here a very long time, but he has very quickly got into the regional rugby mind games. And great to see. Yeah, I interviewed great. him after the, uh, the victory of the Southern Kings last Friday night. He was straight into it. He said, uh, oh, yeah, um, Blues won't rate us. Uh, look at the number of caps they've got. They've got four times as many caps as us. Therefore, they should beat us by four times as many points. Beautiful. It's just what you need. It is. just what you need. He's also I called it a freebie as well. Call it a freebie now? That was based on his 29 injured players, <laughs> mind you. He's been very clever. He's great. He's great value. Yeah, he is. And like you say, he's been very clever. And he's, he's putting all the pressure on the Blues, which you know I'm not sure many people are buying it, given the way the Blues are going at the moment. But... You know, like you said, it's what we what we want for Derby Week, isn't it? We want we want it to be built up, and it's a hard game to call. By the way, this is well, a hard game to call. Dread, yeah. You know, you you're, you're fancying the dragons, I, aren't you? I do fancy the dragons, Ooh. just purely on 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 what what we witnessed last weekend. I think you know we we questioned whether or not the Blues would have the right attitude out in Munster, given that the Wilson news was announced. And first half, Very good. They were, they were good, you know, they contained Munster and um, there were no real complaints. But second half, Munster went up through the gears and they absolutely blew blew the Blues away in that second half, which which will have done nothing for their confidence, if anything. Um, you know, they, they were there was one try, I think it was uh, Hanrahan's first try, if memory serves me right. I think it was um, the winger, his, his uh, name eludes me at the moment, but he cut through the midfield and... It, I think he beat about four or five defenders and, and that passage was just absolutely woeful. Sean Edwards will have been tearing his hair out, obviously being a defensive consultant there. Um, you know, why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you fancy the Dragons? Is my yeah, I mean, I watched the Dragons. That was my first time at the Rodney Parade, the, uh, the new pitch, mm. um, last weekend. Absolutely uh, tipping down with rain throughout. Hardly conducive to running rugby, but fairness to them, they've got an intent to play a wide game, yeah. and they stuck to it, and they scored a, a lovely wide try after six minutes. Yeah. Um, Jack Dixon, who was absolutely pivotal to them, by the, by the way, at the moment, because um, with Harrison Keddy out injured, they're, they're kind of lacking a big, and Lewis Evans as well, they're kind of lacking a big ball carrying option in the back row. They've got some very good athletes there with um, James Thomas, James Benjamin, and Ollie Griffiths. Oh, yeah. But they, I mean, Ollie's a decent ball carrier, but they, they haven't got a huge amount of ball carrying up front. Yeah, He's their go to man to get them over the game line. And for that first try, did just that 
He's playing really well, Jack Dixon, because we've talked about him for a few years. Yeah. He made his debut when he was 17, had a few injury problems, missed a, a, virtually the whole of one season, but he's now back and he brings some defensive solidity in midfield. There's not many better tacklers in midfield than him. He gets them over the game line. And then they've got a, a young gentleman playing at number 10, <laughs> who, when he's got go-forward ball, yeah. uh, it can be quite useful. I, uh, I've watched Mr. Henson, uh, for about 16, 17 years now. And uh, you can have as many discussions as you want about, oh, he should have made more of his career, blah, 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 blah. Did get two Grand Slams, by the way, in the Lions Tour. <laughs> but um, even that 35, as you know, coming up to 36 yeah. in February, yeah. he is still an extraordinary creature to watch in a rugby field because <laughs> I, I don't know how he does it, but he just seems to have so much time on the ball. It's some, I guess you're just born with it. Yeah. There are times out there when you, uh, last weekend where I felt like you could have taken a mirror on the pitch and tested out his hair, which he wouldn't yeah. be pretty averse to doing. No. Um, but he he's just seems to be so poised and so controlled that yeah, well, it seems the Southern Kings he's playing against. They you know they they're struggling to come to terms with their new, their new environment. They really struggled with the breakdown laws, by the way, Northern Hemisphere style. Yeah. But Henson's really enjoying it. You can tell he's enjoying it because I mean he's just sitting in the pocket. And picking his options, he'll give it to like Ollie Griffiths or Elliot D to chuck it up a little bit through the forwards, or he'll give it to Dixon to do the same, or he'll go wide and let the speedsters Amos and uh, Ashton yeah. Hewitt have a go and Tyler Morgan. And he's just pulling the strings very nicely, you know. Yeah. And uh, our colleague Andy Howell, yeah. again, him, uh, wrote a piece this week um, where he was quoting Shane Williams, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah quoting Shane Williams. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that if Wales had a bit of a crisis, and he did send an SOS out to Mr. Henson to do a job, could do it anywhere in the back line just about, he wouldn't let them down. Now that may be stretching a little bit, but I will tell you, he's looking like a very, very good signing. Yeah, he said, the, the thing that struck me was that he just seems to be playing the game at a different pace. To, it's, the, the in game a good just, way. In yeah, a good yeah, way. <laughs> it, it just sort of slows down, time stands still for him almost. I, I, I think the one thing that stands out, I think it was in the build-up to the first try, took the ball and, and he was almost walking and waited for Jack Dixon to find the hole, bang, put him through it. And you just think... Is that how is he standing not, off him because of his I reputation? I honestly don't know. I just think, how has he not been leathered by if, some... If I was... South African side If as well. I was Sean Edwards, I would just be saying to, uh, to Josh Navidi and yeah. to uh, Andy Robinson's boy, Ollie, isn't it? Ollie, who's yeah, come in, who's done, and it was... Uh, I think in his debut for the Blues, he was on for like half an hour. I mean, like 20 tackles. He, yeah, like his yeah. dad, he likes a tackle. They've just got to put him under pressure, really, because yeah. if you allow him to dictate and control things, he will cause damage, really. Um, as for the Blues, um, we've said that, you know they're missing key controllers themselves. Anscombe's out injured. Um, yeah. And Jared Evans is now being given a run. Yeah. Well, what do you make of Jared, Matt? I thought he was poor last week. I would have preferred to see Shingler at 10 this week myself. I think you know I, Evans has been a prospect for a while now. Um, he's still a young lad, obviously. Um, but I think he made mistakes in that second half that contributed to the Blues' downfall. Trying too much? Trying too much, perhaps, in his kicking game. He he miss, he was missing touch and just inviting pressure after the Blues had just survived an incredible onslaught from Munster. Kicks the ball. I think it was they, they won a free kick from a scrum. He kicks the ball away from his own five-metre line, misses touch, and Munster run it back and touch yeah. back to the 22. You just think that ball... I know. You know, your forwards are knackered. They've just gone through about four or five scrums. The ball needs to go off the park. Munster eventually scored, and and it was just those little things that sort of you know they don't help him. I know they've been working over the years, and his kicking technique, the way the ball he comes across his own body when he kicks, and the 
they've spent a lot of time with that. I think what often happens when fatigue comes in, you probably revert to your old ways a little yeah. bit. And he, it's on occasions he won't strike at something. He's, he's an exciting player to watch with ball in hand, and he will take defences on. He's a different kind of player to Henson. Henson these days isn't going to make many breaks realistically. No. Where Jared will take a lot of on himself. He, he, he tries little tricky little things. He'll do. He does. Yeah. The, he likes the kick pass yeah. across to his wings. Um, and obviously he's got the two the two dancers now, isn't he? Outside him in, in Halla Hollow and Ray Lilo. Out of a word for Jack Roberts here, he's waited for his debut until week five. He's on for 15 minutes and he's done his knees, probably out for six weeks, unfortunate for him, because he offered something different to the Blues. Yeah. Um, the key thing for me with them, has been for a couple of seasons now, is if Nick Williams is on song, and Nick Williams likes a derby, told me that as much this week, so yeah. it's all about the physical battle. This is why <laughs> this is why you come across the world and leave your loved ones behind for games like this. <laughs> So he'll be right up for it, and uh, he was saying, making the point that the Blues did the double over them last year. Added the little fact that he never in his life experienced anything like Virginia Park at Philly, <laughs> or the, <laughs> sure the Constructor Court Stadium. Sorry, he was yeah. full of it this week, and you could see he was relishing the, the physical battle. I asked him what he thought of Sean Edwards, and he said, "I love him. I love him. He's old school." Mm. But I think Nick will be right up for this, and if he starts crossing the game line and getting them on the front foot. Then in Halla Hollow and Ray Lilo going forward, they've got two centres who can yeah. do damage, and a back three of Cuthbert and Scully yeah. and um, Rean Williams, who's, who's been one of the big pluses so far this season. Yeah. They've got strike runners can do damage. Mm. So if if Dacey, Nick Williams, and Seb Davis, who's very good with ball in hand, yeah. if they can get them going forward up front, I think the Blues will win. Mm-hmm. If the Dragons can frustrate and stall them and knock them back on the gain line. Then I think the Dragons got a very good chance. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Yeah. And this is an opportunity for the WRU East team to send out a real message and a real statement of intent. Yeah, no, I, I take that point. I know, I, like I said, I fancy the Dragons, but I see where you're coming from on that. One thing, I think the midfield battle is really interesting. You know, you've got, like you said, you've got the two the two hot steppers in the Blues midfield um, on their day, very good together. And you've got a little bit more of an industrious centre partnership in Jack Dixon, who you've mentioned is playing well, and Tyler Morgan. You want Tyler to come on this season, don't you? Yeah. Wanted to really, he played in the World Cup quarterfinal. I know. <laughs> yeah. Jack, well, Jack Dixon was in that World Cup squad, obviously, as well. Tyler's quick. Tyler's a quick player. I'd love him to really kick on this season yeah. because Wales needs centres. But I think whoever, whoever comes out on top in that battle as well, like you said, I think if the Blues get go forward, they'll be in the ascendancy yeah. um, and we'll have a good chance. But... I think whoever wins that battle in the midfield, I think we'll, that'll go a long way to deciding the outcome. Yeah, I mean, the scrum-wise, they're, they're two teams, neither of whom are functioning that fantastically at the scrum no. time. Reece Gill is still injured for the Blues, which is a blow for them with his calf problem. And uh, the, the Dragons, I think, are missing Sam Hobbs, ex-Cardiff Blues player, who I thought was yeah. one of their best players last season. And what they've had to do this year, and they moved um, Brock Harris across to the loose end, bringing Leon Brown, which is good to see, but yeah. he's obviously learning the game. So that could be an area of parity. Yeah. I think that the, the collisions, the tackle, the contact area, and who can cross the game line in those big collisions, that will decide this game. Yeah, Obviously, with the Dragons as well, you've got young Jared Rosser on the wing. Not seeing much of Jared. You no, I, I, I remember seeing him a bit for the under-20s. He's pretty sharp, to be fair Which to him. Which club is he with? He scored a few good tries. Has he, he played in Premiership level with Keys or Evervale? You're pushing me a bit. Not yeah. sure. My point is, we, obviously, Amos has been forced to fall back. Um, I've not seen much of Amos at full back, so I'm just wondering what. I'm trying to think the last time he played there. What, what he will bring to that position, if you know what I mean. You know, it, it's not. 
I know it's not a massively different role to play. Um, you probably got to organise things a bit more mm. from full back than you do on the wing, but I mean, it still involves fielding kicks and running them back, and you know, it's probably a little bit more kicking involved for him. Yeah, um, which may may be a little bit of an issue. To be fair, you know, can yes, he kick. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's had the odd occasion when he played a fullback in the past where he's um, fallen victim to the charge down, yeah. taken slightly too long. So it'll be tricky for him. He hasn't played there for a while. But I think you know, in attack going forward, yeah. that does. There's there's real pace in that. Well, back it will three. see them is coming into the line, wouldn't it? Because yeah. if there's one thing he's raised, it's offloads. Yeah, he's got better handling ability than most wingers would. So I think if, you know, cutting angles into the line, that's something that could really. Yeah, I, I tell you what, this could. This, although we, we you know we were saying about the Osprey Scarlet game could be very dull and, and gritty. You know, if that's what the Ospreys might look to play. It. This is going to be fast on that surface of the arm slot. Two teams who essentially like to play a high tempo game of rugby. Mm. I think it could be quite entertaining, it could be a high scoring game, so it'll probably be 9 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one last thing for me on the Dragons they, they were disappointed with the second half last week, which, which probably, is great. Which probably says a lot about where they are now. Yeah, he came into the room, more to the point, it was the first time in two and a half years they'd get a bonus point victory in, yeah. the, in the league, and he came in and there was no cartwheels, no high fives from Mr. Jackman. It was very much talking about the frustration. Um, that they'd failed to show a killer instinct. They felt that the Kings were there to be put away, um, whereas they made, they made some errors and let the Kings back into the game. I mean, it was you know handling handling was difficult in those conditions. But I think there was very much. You should have seen the celebrations when they scored their fourth try when Elliot D went over yeah. for a second. Lionel he's playing very well by the way. Mm. When he went over, they were, they were celebrating, you know, and you could tell it's a rarity. And, and perhaps they just lost their focus a bit. There were a couple of injuries. Um, there were some yellow cards, and the game kind of withered away, petered away. I don't think this that'd be a problem this week. No. This this game ain't going to peter away. In a word, Elliot, do you get a call up? Um, it's a, again another very very um, com, <laughs> a, a combative position. My three hookers would be Ken Owens, Ryan Elias. And then it's a very tough call between D and DC on current form and having played so far, pretty D just edging it. Mm. Well, there we go on that very long word. <laughs> I think Sorry. that's uh, <laughs> the, the new word. I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. Uh, but you can catch all the news and updates on Wales Online.